2, University of Spiritual Warfare. Bible Code 7, University of Spiritual Warfare, where we teach you warfare so you stay alive in Jesus until he returns. What's the option? You will lose your faith in Jesus and you will not make it into heaven. You will take the mark of the beast and you will never be saved. Today is the day when we see all that is going on and all our teaching and everything we're do doing is gearing up <coughs> to make sure that you do not take the mark of the beast, that you know what is going on and thereby you know that you must endure hardships and difficulties or be martyred, be killed for your faith in Jesus. But you must endure to the very end to be saved. Tonight we're going to continue our teaching that we've been doing for the past two weeks. We're going to bring more light, shed more light on Mystery Babylon. We have been unmasking what the Bible calls Mystery Babylon, that prostitute, that whore. And last week we were... Uh, the week before, also, we were identifying and we were diagnosing and we were finding out the solutions and exactly what the Bible says, not what man says, but what the Bible says, applying biblical solutions so that we are in league with God and we are doing exactly what the Bible allows us or tells us what to do. We are seeing that to truly unmask Mr. Babylon, we had to use the gift of discernment. We can't just read and then get the answers because these things are spiritually discerned. So God has to lead us and he has to connect the dots for us. But once he connects the dots and we get a teaching out there and we release it, we can see it clearly. Oh, this is what he means by this. And this is how it all comes together like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. And what we're seeing today is we're seeing everything in the Bible coming to its forefront, coming into fulfillment. We're seeing today a killing of all freedoms, just like the Bible had warned us would happen. Freedoms are being killed. People's freedoms are being taken away. The jaws of tyranny are closing in on all people today and mandating all people of the world, you must obey or else you will lose your job, or else we will do this, or we're being threatened. It's just as in the days of uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, where he made a law, and he says, hey, when you hear the music, everybody must bow down and worship my golden image. And anybody who does not obey and worship my golden image, you will be put in a firing furnace, which will be heated seven times hotter. And this is what they did. Then he made another law. He says, nobody worship any other god except by my say-so. Only me you can worship. Well, Daniel disobeyed. And then, for that disobedience, he was thrown in the lion's den. So we are seeing that these things are coming back full circle. Comply or be crushed. Obey or be terminated. Obey or lose your job. 
This is what it is. It's coming back. All of a sudden, in many nations of the world, simultaneously. This is not just one nation. This is like almost every nation coming out. Lockdowns, masks, injections, obey, comply, or you're going to get crushed. What is this? We're seeing that this is the mark of the beast has been rolled out. The pump has been primed. And pretty soon, it's going to be obedience or death. It's going to happen. The Bible warns us about that. And please do not take this lightly. Please do not take this as a conjecture. This is the Bible. And if you don't believe it, you better pray and ask God and ask him for the real understanding of the word of God because this is what I've received and this is what I'm teaching. And it's very clear, very plain. I show you in the Bible exactly what they are, are, are going to do. This is exactly what the Bible says. So get your Bibles. Have them handy. And while you get in your Bible, understand that God is not handicapped in any way. We do not have a handicapped God. Mm, nothing wrong with his right hand. The Bible says his arms are not short. And he cannot reach down and save. Neither is his ears deaf or heavy that he cannot hear. He's a hearing God. He's a seeing God. And he's an action God. All power is his. And he wants us to understand that he is the almighty, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and ever-present God. And last week, let's get right into it. We, uh, week before last, uh, rather, we talked about Isaiah 47. And 47, we talked about how we established that Babylon, first Babylon, has a daughter. And this daughter of Babylon. Uh, well, not only in Isaiah 47 and verse 1 uh, is it uh, established, daughter of Babylon, but in Psalm 137 and verse 8, it is also established in the scripture, daughter of Babylon. Then again in Jeremiah 50, verse 42, Jeremiah 51, verse 33, and then also in Zechariah. 2 and verse 7. These are all scriptures that tells us that Babylon, first Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, Belshazzar's Babylon, has a daughter. And who is that daughter? We saw last week and the week before that that daughter was mentioned in Revelation 17 and Revelation 18. And we saw where that daughter of Babylon, uh, as we saw in Revelation 17, verse 18, came down to be called that great city that rules over the kings of the earth. The great city. And that city does what? Rules over the kings of the earth. Now ponder that for a moment because we must understand that there is, just as the Bible says, a city, a great city. And it's not so much that city itself, but concentrated in that particular city 
is a tremendous amount of worldwide power which we revealed to you last week and the week before. Tremendous concentration of money and power that it rules over all the kings and all the princes, the billionaires of the entire earth. So we saw that, and we want to go back to Revelation 17, just for a very quick refresher, and we want to make sure that we refresh our mind, Revelation 17. <coughs> and let's look at verse 5. And upon her head, the head of this whore, there was a name written, Mystery, Babylon, the great mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Run down to verse 18. Revelation 17, the woman which you saw, this mystery woman, the mother of harlots, uh, well-dressed with a cup of abominations in her hand, the woman which you saw is that great city which reigns consistently over the kings of the earth. So we identified that city. We said that city was New York City, but New York City is not just by itself. It comes with a nation behind it, and that nation was the USA. But I want to, before we leave Revelation 17, our little recap, we want to go back to verse 6 in Revelation 17, which I did ask you to write as an aside note. Put it on your bathroom mirror. A little post-it note here, because you've got to keep that at the forefront of your thoughts. Uh, two scriptures I wanted you to put on your bathroom mirror. Revelation 17, 6. John the Revelator, he said, I saw the woman, and the woman was drunken. She was drunk. With what? What was she drinking? She was drinking the blood of the saints. The blood of the who? The saints. Who are the saints? The New Testament Christians. They're saints. They have no sin. Washed away by the blood of Jesus. New Testament Christians and believers are called the saints. So she was drunk with the blood of the Christian believers. Not only was she drunk with the blood of the Christian believers, but also with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Martyrs. Martyrs means they're dead. They've been killed for Jesus. Their blood has been shed. And they have been butchered in one way or another for Jesus. So this woman, this great city, this great nation was drunk with the blood of the people of the living God, the Christians. They were killed. Many, their blood was shed. They were tortured. They're not yet dead. They're still alive. Those who died are martyrs. So I want you to understand that. Let's go over to Revelation 18 now. I did ask you to do something and show you a couple of things in Revelation 18. We, 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 we see Revelation, Revelation 18 verse 2 says, This angel cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, a great is fallen, is fallen, said twice meaning the thing is established and will come to pass. And it's become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. 
It talks about every nation having drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth who are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Uh -huh. So, we're seeing Babylon here, a picture painted about this nation. But verse 4, which I also asked you to write, on a post-it, put on your mirror. And I heard another voice from heaven. And this voice said, Come out of her, my people. Come out. Get away from her. Why? That you do not be partakers of her sins. That you not be sympathizers with her. That you don't identify with her. Don't you? You're not like Mrs. Lot. You're looking back, your heart is in there. Like they sing a song, oh, my, uh, my heart is in, was it San Francisco or New York City? I left my heart there. Okay. That your heart be not in there, their sins. That you do not receive of her plagues. So plagues will come and God says, I don't want you to be collateral damage. Don't want you to be there to receive her because it's going to be bad. And God is warning his people, get out. It doesn't get any plainer than this. And God is saying, why do we get out? Because he is going to destroy the place. And it's going to be destroyed in an hour. And when we look at the Bible, for verse 17, Revelation 18, for in one hour so great riches is come to nothing. Every shipmaster and all the company in ships, sailors, and as many as trade by sea stood afar off, and they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning. What city is like unto this great city? Because Babylon will be destroyed. The city, the nation will be destroyed. And this is the, this is the, this is the, 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 the heart of God. This is the word of God. God says, this is what I'm going to do. And why is he going to do it? Revelation 19 tells us again. We see that. We see here, and after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, honor, power unto the Lord our God. True and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. And he hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Blood of his servants, which means Babylon killed the servants of God, shed their blood. And again they said, Hallelujah! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Ah! And there was a scene of great worship in heaven. And this is the, the Bible tells us in the fourth verse, it says the 24 elders. The 24 elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. The four seraphims stand in the presence of God. 24 elders, the 12 from the Old Testament, the 12 patriarchs, 
from the Old Testament, and the twelve of the apostles, twenty-four elders, and the four beasts. They dropped on their faces. They fell down and worshipped God. Why? Because the blood of his servants was avenged. A voice came out of heaven saying, Praise our God, all his servants, and you that fear him, both small and great. So there is a massive, powerful, mighty worship scene in heaven. Why? Because Babylon is destroyed. Vengeance has come. That's how massive and how powerful this worship scene is. This is, this is something awesome and powerful. And this is what the Bible says. <clears throat> which tells us that God is very, very adamant about this. So all these things are going to transpire. The, blooding, the, the, the shedding of blood of the, of the martyrs of Jesus Christ, the people of God. The bloody uh, deaths that they will ha have. The bloody uh, uh, lives. The attempted murder. Their blood will be shed. Not all will die, but many will be martyred. Their blood will be shed. And God says, I'm going to pay. I'm going to, I'm going to demand a payback for every drop of shed blood. Because innocent blood cries in the ears of God. So God is hard on the heels of Babylon. And now we see why. Because the blood of his servants have been shed. They have been martyred. The blood was crying out. And God is going to have his day of vengeance. And when that vengeance is over and Babylon is destroyed, there will be a tremendous outpouring of worship in heaven. Never has the Bible described an outpouring like this. Never have I seen something of this nature written in the Bible. So, this is a massive and a mighty scene that is occurring in heaven. And we are going to see why, we're going to pick up here, why Babylon did what it did and why it's that way and why did they resort to killing the, the believers. We see we're in the old Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's day, God came to the rescue of the Hebrew boys that was thrown in the fire. We see when Daniel was thrown in the fire, he came to the rescue of Daniel shut the lion's mouth. And we see where he made decrees. The king Nebuchadnezzar made decrees after uh, God rescued these uh, Hebrew boys and after Daniel. He made decrees all over the known empire, Babylon empire. He made a decree that no, one sh no other god should be worshipped. Why is it that nothing of this nature is going to happen with this Babylon? This Babylon is too far gone. This Babylon is rotten to the core. This Babylon has turned totally against God and has turned totally to the worship of Satan. That's what's happening. This Babylon is totally gone. And we're going to see something here that the pride of this Babylon, the arrogance or the haughtiness of this Babylon, has caused God to despise and detest this Babylon. Now, when he wrote about this Babylon, and he told Jeremiah, and he told Isaiah, and he told John, he says, my heart is determined to destroy this Babylon. Nothing is going to stop him from fulfilling his word. There is no repentance to Babylon. 
That's why God says the people who will repent in Babylon must come out. Do, do not be a partaker of her sins and also do not be there to suffer her plagues with her. So we are seeing the shattering of Babylon. And let's go back to Jeremiah 50 where we had started. We want to pick up in Jeremiah chapter 15 where we left off last time and then we jumped over to Revelation 18. We had left off in the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah 50. And we established the fact that Babylon, the mightiest hammer in all the earth, remember that? Babylon was called the hammer of all the earth. Babylon nailed almost every nation on the earth. We established the fact, and this is from my research written in, book, in my books, that Babylon, the USA, has over 800 military bases across the nations of the world. More than 800 military bases. You can go to your search engine and check it out. So here they have the Bible saying, Babylon, the mightiest hammer in all the earth, lies broken and shattered. Babylon is desolate, wasted among the nations. Now, is there a nation before on the face of the earth that has been a hammer in all the earth? How about Russia? Russia was never all over in the earth. Russia was primarily over in Europe. They had the satellite nations like Poland and Czechoslovakia and all the other countries. Romania, there were satellites to Russia. And Russia tried to export its communism all over the world. But not every nation was touched by communism. Not every nation was touched by what they had to give. And there was no other nation that has hammered the entire earth, the whole earth, except this one nation. And God called it out from this time of Jeremiah over 3,000 years ago. And he says Babylon is the mightiest hammer in all the earth. Which nation is that? It's only one nation that can wear that cap. Only one nation that fits that cap. And that's the USA. And he says Babylon is desolate and among the nations. Verse 24, he says, Listen, Babylon, I have set a trap for you. You are caught. You have, been, you have fought against the Lord. Do you see reason right there? Why is God so set against Babylon? Because Babylon has fought against God. Then God says, because you have done that, the 25th verse, it says, the Lord has opened his armory and brought out weapons to vent his fury. The terror that falls upon the Babylonians will be the work of the sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. God says, I will bring out weapons. And how does God bring out weapons to destroy another nation? I was teaching on that last night, and I tell you that the king of Tyre, the king of Tyre, he, God says, I'm going to bring another man. You say you're a god, but I'm going to bring another nation. And I'm going to have them kill you. 
when they kill you or about to kill you, you tell them that you're a God. They won't listen to you. They're going to kill you like a man. Are you going to die like a man? So here we have God stipulating that this is what Babylon has done. And God says, I am going to bring another nation that's superior, has superior weapons to your weapons. No matter how you think you're so high, no matter how you think your weapons are so superior and sophisticated, somebody got some more superior weapons than you do. I want to bring you something I, I picked up today. And this was picked up from the, in the story. It says, General Mark Milley, he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he warned Wednesday, that's yesterday, that China's test of a hypersonic missile is very concerning and very close to the kind of Sputnik moment that triggered the space race during the Cold War. What's a Sputnik moment? Well, when the Russians launched their space shuttle called Sputnik, the Americans didn't know that they were that far advanced. And they went to the moon before America. So it triggered a space race during the days of the Cold War. And then he goes on to say why it matters. The comments by America's top uniform general underscore the depths of U.S. concerns about China's rapid military expansion and development of advanced weaponry. And we talked about God saying, I'm going to open his armory, his weaponry, and get out that weapons of indignation. He will open his armory. That's what verse 25 says. God will open his armory and bring out weapons to vent his fury. One of the versions says, his weapons of indignation, his, his weapons of justice, righteous anger, the terror that falls upon the Babylonians, because God says, I will destroy them. And these are the things that you need to know. These are the things that are behind the scenes. I know people are busy. They go to work. They're concerned with bread and butter issues. You know, I pay my bills. How am I going to make it from day to day? I've got to come home, get a good night's rest, get up and go to work again. Uh, but God has called me to do the research. He's called me to do the legwork. And then when I get the legwork done and the teachings done, I bring it to you so that you have information. You know exactly the Word of God and the correlation of the Word of God. So you are not in the dark. No Christian should be in the dark. God wants his people informed. Hosea 4 and verse 6, God says, My people, they perish because they lack knowledge. So, let's go on, Jeremiah 50. Verse 26 says, Yes, come against her from distant lands. Break open her granaries, crush her walls and houses into heaps of rubble. Destroy her completely and leave nothing. God is bent on destroying Babylon. He is bent on destroying Babylon. And this is from the days of Jeremiah. He's saying that. Why? They're fighting against God. Verse 29, he says, Send out a call for archers to come to Babylon. Surround the city so no one can escape. Do to her as she has done to others. Stop right there. Do unto her as she has done 
to others. What does this mean? The hammer of the whole earth has gone into nations and hammered nations without justifiable cause. God is saying, all the nations from around the earth send out a call to, for archers to come to Babylon. He says, bring them all in and do to her what she has done to others. What is that? Payback. What she has sown, she will also reap. Why? She has defied the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. The nation has defied God. How does a nation defy the Lord? Your laws, your legislation, not just the lifestyle of a few people, because you see lifestyle of a few people is one thing, but you have many righteous in America, 24-carat golden Christians, bishops, teachers, pastors, members of the fivefold ministry, righteous, very righteous people. But, God says, she has defied the Lord. How has she defied the Lord? The laws, the rules they make. Just like Babylon, old Babylon. When you hear the music, bow down and worship my golden image. That was the law. They made a law. They made a rule. That's how they defied God. And when God began to speak to them, they didn't listen. God says, okay. This is what I'm going to do. Your pride is going to go before your destruction. And your heart is spurred. It's going to be followed by a fall. And in verse 31, Jeremiah 50, God says, Look, see, I am your enemy. You arrogant people, says the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. He calls them arrogant, haughty people. I saw an article the other day. And it was an article with some trans people. And they had a little child that they made into a trans child. And when you looked at them, and then I was reading this, this, this story, I was looking and I was seeing what? Arrogance. Arrogance. It's what I want. It's what I want. This little child, I'm going to do to this little child. I'm going to make this a trans child because this is what I want. They don't understand that the children are a gift from God to be raised up in the fear and the admonition of God. So they are arrogant, and God calls them arrogant people. The Lord of heaven's armies. He says, your day of reckoning has arrived. The day when I will punish you. O land of arrogance, you will stumble and fall. No one will raise you up. That's 32, verse 32, Jeremiah 50. For I will light a fire in the cities of Babylon that will burn up everything around them. God says, I'm going to light a fire in the cities of Babylon. In where? The cities. In where? The cities. A couple of weeks ago, I've been telling you the city areas. And I even wrote in one of my books, what I saw, death in the cities. And we all saw New York City, in Washington, 
Seattle, Washington, all the cities, the cities were burning. The cities were a place of corruption. The cities are decaying. They're dying. Such ugliness in the cities, grief in the cities, wickedness in the cities. The cities are being overrun with gangs, people breaking into stores and going in and looting the stores. And it was just one ugly situation. And God says, get out the cities. And when the people began to leave the cities and people ran out of New York like rats from a sinking ship, I looked and I said, God, this is how you're getting your people. Because if you're rooted in a city and you have a good job in a city, you're not going to leave that job. Mm-mm. You're getting a good paycheck. You're going to put up with that stuff. You're going to say, man, I'm going to stay here till I retire. Then when I retire, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to Florida. Or I'm going to go somewhere else and then set down roots. But if you have a good job and you're rooted, you're staying put. So for God to get you to leave the job, he got to get you out the job. For him to get you to leave a city, he got to get you out that job. So one of the first things God is doing, and we're seeing that happen with the firemen, <laughs> the people who work in the hospitals now, you got to get out of these cities. So these mayors and whoever, you know, the big shots, the governors come and say, you've got to get this vaccination. Because if you don't get it, you cannot keep your job. And the people says, we're not going to get it. I'd rather lose 18 years. I'd rather lose 19 years or 25 years or 28 years. I'm supposed to retire when I'm 30, but I will not. I'd rather lose it and lose the pension. God will get them out. This is what God is saying. He is going to pull them out one way or another because this is God's talking to the people that are marked and destined for salvation. There are people who will comply and do anything. Well, I've got to keep my job. I've got to do this. I will obey. I will do what you tell me. Well, God is talking today. God is saying something. And let me say something here because I'm writing a book and I'm going to have to write this. Once a person takes the mark, there's no untaking the mark. There's no telling God, I'm sorry. There's no coming to God and say, God, I'm reasoning with you because, you know, you know I had to go to work. You know I have to go. Uh, there's no going back. There's no going back. There's no undoing. There's no repentance. It's the abomination of desolation. You do the abomination. Now, there's an abomination of desolation that we talked about before, and I taught you on that. Because reading from the Bible, <coughs> excuse me, there was an abomination, which is sodomy, homosexuality, that causes God to waste and destroy. That's what abomination of desolation means. The abomination of desolation. Desolation means to waste, to totally destroy and make desolate. What was that abomination in the Bible that made God waste and destroy? Sodom and Gomorrah, the twin cities of sodomy, homosexuality. So, God wasted and destroyed because of that abomination. But as bad as that abomination is, there are hundreds of people, thousands of people, who have gone in. They live the lifestyle. The devil blinded their mind. But then they realize, you know, this is wrong. This is sinful. And the shackles of hell were broken on them. 
And many have come out. They have repented. And they have gone into living a normal life now. They have been forgiven, washed in the blood of Jesus. They are my brothers and sisters. Because they have repented. They have turned away from that abominable lifestyle. So that's an abomination. That even though God wasted and destroyed a city, that is still something that can be repented of. But this abomination that God is talking about is the taking of the mark. And once that mark is taken, there is nothing else to do by God but to waste and destroy that person. The Bible says that anyone who takes the mark of the beast, their smoke and their torment will go up and rise up before God forever and ever and ever. They will be tormented in hell in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. He will look down upon them. They will be looking up at him. He'll be looking down on them in hell. And there'll be nothing they can do forever throughout all eternity. And this is what the Bible says. Revelation uh, Revelation uh, 9, uh, no, Revelation 4, 9, 10, 11. Revelation 14, 9, 10, 11. This is what the Bible says there. And there's nothing they can do. So this is the abomination of desolation. And God says about this city, he's going to light a fire, burn up everything around them. Those who are righteous, those who fear God, will run out of these cities. And they'll run for safety. They'll run to the hills. They'll run anywhere. They'll run to the mountains. In the cities, there's going to be death. Do you remember the story? The Bible tells us about the four blind men, four uh, lepers. They're in a city. And the city in Samaria, there was famine. The gates were shut. And they were outside the gate. And they said to themselves, why do we sit here until we die? If we try to go in the city, there's death in the city. We can't go in anywhere. We're lepers. And if we stay outside the gate right here, we're going to die anyway. <laughs> People dying inside the gate. They're all dying in there. And if we sit right out here, we're going to die right here. So let's do something here. Let's go over to the camp of the enemy, the Assyrians. And let's go and perhaps, maybe they'll have mercy on us. But if they kill us, we're going to die anyway. So there was a three-way death. Or, the, or one way was a possibility of death, but there was two deaths facing them. We sit here, death. Try to go in the city, death. So let's go to the enemy. And maybe, maybe they'll spare us alive. If not, they'll kill us. That's what they did. And when they went by where the enemies were, were they found out that the enemy was gone. And everything of the enemy was left. They had food, gold, silver. They had everything. And they ate their bellies full and they went back and they said, we didn't do a good thing. So they went and alerted the king and they sent out a raiding party and they came and they had food. But the point is this, that God, when he's ready, he says, you've got to make a move. You've got to make a move. If you stay where you are, death will come. 
And this is what God is telling these people in the cities. And this is why he is turning the cities upside down. Verse 37, he says, The sword will strike her horses, strike her chariots, her allies from other lands. They will all become like women. They'll all become like women. Fighting men will become like women. Whoa, that's deep. Let's look into that. I was reading recently about the training given to the military, how they're bringing about equality in the military. Of course, they have more men than women. The men go on the battlefield, but they want to put the women on the battlefield also. The women, they want to put the U.S. military with a 50-pound rucksack as they backpack that they got to carry, an M16 rifle with their boots, and they got to march all day long. Horrible condition. Live outside. Sleep outside. And they want the women to be like the men. They're training a woman, and this is what the report says, and the woman cannot go up to the physical rigors of a man. It's impossible. She doesn't have the musculature. Not having the musculature, she can't do as a man does. She has the same muscles, but not the same muscle mass. She doesn't have the physical strength. And what they're doing is they have lowered the standards of training so that they can have what is called an inclusive army, an inclusive fighting force. When you look at military training from the Russians and the Chinese and how they train these men, they are trained to be ferocious. Here we have in America, they're trying to do what? They're trying to tone down the testosterone of men, trying to come at masculine toxicity and make men less than men. You can't make a real man less than he is. That's how God designed him. He's chock full of testosterone. Men love to fight. <laughs> Men love to be like real men. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to emasculate the men, make them into sissies. And this is what they're doing in the army. And here we have the Bible says, Jeremiah 50, 37, the sword will strike her horses and chariots and her allies from other lands, and they will all become like women. Why? Because of their training. They weren't trained properly. Not only that, but they have women interspersed among men on the front lines. Now, where in hell you find that happening? That didn't happen before. That's bad policy. Not that women can't be in the army, but they need to be in the background doing support stuff. They can drive trucks. They can do other things, but not on the front line. They can't run with a backpack a 50-pound backpack, and fight like a man. They don't have the stamina. And I know some women will say, well, we can do it. You're, you're, you're foolish. And I'm not a politically correct person. I'm one of them old-school types, okay? And I have a lovely little wife, and I want her to be stayed as a beautiful little woman. I know her strength. Her body strength is not like mine. I have children. My daughter doesn't have the body strength like my son or myself. Women don't have it. 
And here we have the Bible telling us what's going to be the outcome because of political correctness. And when I read in the and check this out, the military, how they're talking about uh, uh, bending the rules and making it an accommodating place. So that, And I saw pictures of women who were in the military that had their babies. And they had this little, nice little baby uh, thingy thingy and right with them while they were working, you know, they were pregnant. I don't know if they give them leave and then they tell them, you know, when the baby gets to be a certain uh, age, you know, you leave the baby with a caregiver, a, a family member, and you come back in the military. But they have the babies with them in the military where they work, and it's like the military has become a daycare. I'm going like this. This is not. This is not for real. We're training people to fight the Chinese, vicious Chinese, vicious Russians. We're training an army that's supposed to be what? A killing force, a force of defense, not for women, them to become like women, not for men to be sissified. No. But here God says, again, Jeremiah fifty thirty seven: the sword will strike her horses and chariots and her allies from other lands, and they will all become like women, because most Western nations believe in this political correctness. And they even have women as defense ministers. And these women carry their female attributes and they begin to make changes in their militaries where the men are not fighting vicious men like the Chinese and the Russians. Come on, let's face it. Oh, well, you know, you don't want to be prejudiced against her. You don't want to be. That's political correctness. So let's get this over. Don't, don't, don't go there. Here we have what the Bible says. They will become like women, and the sword will strike her treasures. They will all be plundered. The, the Bible is spot on. Then he talks about a drought will strike her water supply, causing it to dry up. And why? This is the word of God. Because the whole land is filled with idols. And the people are madly in love with their idols. That's the word of God. Because God is going to punish the idolatry of Babylon. Every little detail. This is like God presenting a case in a courthouse. Said, this is why I'm, doing, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do against you. Why? Because this is what you have done. And God presents his case. And he says, because the whole land is filled with idols and the people are in love with idols. And God hates idolatry. And verse 40, it says, I will destroy Babylon as I destroyed who? Oh, my God. Sodom and Gomorrah. In the same manner as I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, I am going to destroy Babylon. Why? Because Babylon became a Sodom and Gomorrah. Worse than a Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring town, said the Lord. No one will live there. No one will inhabit it. In other words, when God says, when I'm done, it's going to be a wasteland. Nobody will live here. 
This is what God says. This is the word of the Lord. And God was ballistic about it. Hmm? God said that all these things will happen. He goes on, he says, let me read the rest of it. Verse 43, the king of Babylon has heard reports about the enemy, and he is weak with fright. Pangs of anguish have gripped him, like those of a woman in labor. So he has become like a woman. He is gripped with pangs of anger. Uh, no, not anger, like anguish. He is full of fear. His knees are knocking one, another, one against the other, like Belshazzar in Babylon, when he saw the handwriting on the wall. And by the way, all this handwriting is on the wall. That's why we're putting the dots together. God says in the 44th verse, I says, I'll come like a lion from the thickets of the Jordan, leaping on the sheep in the pasture. I will chase Babylon from its land. And I will appoint the leaders of my choice. For who is like me and who can challenge me? What ruler can oppose my will? This is God speaking. Who's going to challenge God? Who's going to tell him, no, you can't? And then he goes, he says in the 45th verse, he says, listen to the Lord's plans against Babylon. The land of the Babylonians, even the little children will be dragged off like sheep and your homes will be destroyed. The earth will shake with the shout, Babylon has been taken, and its cry of despair will be heard around the world. That's the same thing we saw in Revelation 18. The merchants will cry, there's nobody is to buy our thing. There'll be an instant worldwide depression. Largest economy in the world is gone. Can't buy the world's goods anymore. Cannot buy the merchant's goods anymore. They'll weep. They'll wail because of what's going to happen. But here God is telling exactly what's going to happen, and he reveals the future. And this is the reason why I love the Bible. All the things that you see going on, God says all the answers are found here. You just got to get in that Bible and find the answers. Why is this this going on? Why is this happening this way? Oh, they have defied the Lord. God says, this is what I'm going to do. Several years ago, I heard a song. Your arms are too short to box with God. Uh, some of you probably heard it. Your arms are too short to box with God. My granny used to say it this way when I was a little boy. She say, if you spit... In the sky, it's going to fall in your eye. This is what Babylon is doing with God. They're trying to out-God God. You can't out-God God. No. No matter how you try to dis-God, no matter how you think you're an atheist, no matter how you think you can live your life your own way, do your own thing, perverted living, you can't outdo God. And the thing is that God is trying to reach out to all people and say, listen, you better change your ways and your attitudes. You better do it my way. And if there's anybody know about doing it my way, living life my way, it's me. 
And when God got ready, he said, no, I'm going to break you. And he broke me. Thank God he didn't kill me. Thank God he didn't do, damage me. Praise his name for that. Mm -hmm. Could have been damaged, could have been dead by seven times, but never died. Nothing happened. Because he knew on my timeline that one day I'd serve him. And I can tell anybody, you can't fight God and win. Humble yourself before him. Repent. Come to him. And learn the fact that this proud nation, Babylon, made up of proud, arrogant people who want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. That's what makes up Babylon. A great majority of people. And in this case, many times when you read about and you study the demographics and you look at the statistics, it's not, um, it's not the majority of the people of Babylon that's, that's the way out of whack. It's a minority, but they've got power. They've got clout. Some way, somehow, you're connected to the corridors of power, and they're connected to the corridors of big money. And big money is financing them. And they get laws made, legislation passed. How in God's name they do it, I don't know. Big money. Then you have the good people. The real good Christians, good people, good, good people. I meet great people every day, wonderful people that love Jesus. And if some of them I meet, they don't love Jesus, but then they don't, they're not saved, they're not Christian, but they just have a good heart. They're just nice people. I meet a lot of nice people all the time. How in heaven's name did we get this inversion that the wicked were ruling? Because of money contamination. And this is what we have over Babylon. And Babylon has been infiltrated where all these people have come in and they have taken over at the top. And through the takeover at the top, they're trying to force and ram their desires down everybody else's throat. And this is what ha is happening all across the world and that's the reason why we're seeing all this going on. The Satanists, communists have taken over. This is what we're fighting. This is what we're fighting against. And the only way to fight them is what? The sword of the spirit, the word of the living God. This is what Code 7 warfare is all about. Using the word of God. Weaponizing the word of the living God. Drawing out the sword of the word, I've asked everybody become a 109er and declaring that word and turning back every fiery arrow back against anyone who speaks against you. Don't call names, just the wicked. Just level the word and let the Lord do the rest. And tell the Lord, Lord, let me see your vengeance on all my enemies. Oh, my adversary, let me see your vengeance on them. You know, God is showing up, you know. He's showing out. So understand carefully today that this is the word of the living God. And by the way, the only way you can deal with the devil, Satan, mm -mm, you cannot do, deal with him with any kind of stuff. Don't read no books. Don't believe you can burn incense and candles and do any kind of hocus pocus. That don't work. 
make sure you deal with the devil with one with the one thing, the word. Jesus gave us the demo in Matthew 4 when he told him, it is written. That's what we teach with Bible Code 7. Strategy. Utilizing the word of the living God. Overcoming every battle. Give no place to the devil. The minute you hammer him here, he is going back to regroup and try to come back at you. Don't give him a chance to regroup. Bam, you hammer him again. Keep him on the move by keep decreeing, declaring the word of the living God. So tonight, I just thank God for this information, this information that he has given me to pass on to you, to teach you what's going to happen so you know what's going on and that you prepare yourself. Spiritually, make sure Jesus is on board and he's the captain of your ship. Mentally, make sure you know that come anything happen in this world, I'm ready. And you're ready to meet Jesus. And if Jesus says, get up and move, like he told Joseph, Joseph, get up and flee and go to Egypt, you're ready to go. There's no roots under your feet. Because things are going to happen. And we talked about the response of God, how he's going to respond by the judgments that he will give. Things are going to happen in this world. Natural catastrophes are going to happen. And not if, but when they happen, make sure you're ready to respond. Your house is nice and comfy, something might happen. You might have to grab something quick together and run. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. These are things that are going to happen. So understand the handwriting is on the wall. The time of the mark of the beast, the pump has been primed. Things are going to happen. They're going to happen very quickly. There's going to be drastic things happen. Don't let it scare you. When you see these things begin to come to pass, the Bible says, look up, for your redemption is drawing near. So tonight, I want you to put your mind at ease. If you're plugged into Jesus, stay at ease. Stay joyful. Stay ready. That anything happens here, come what may, I'm ready. And stay excited, okay? Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't be afraid. You have the spirit of power. Exercise it. Declare the word. Use your authority that he has given you. The mandate is do not touch my anointed and do not do my prophets any harm. The rod of the wicked never rests upon the lot of the righteous. So, be assured, Jesus is with you. But do your part. Use the it is written. Declare it. And the angels of God will step into action to obey the voice, which is your voice, of his words. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now until he returns for us, because he's coming back one day, coming back soon. And we are excited. We'll be here alive and remaining in him until he comes. Till next time, I'll catch you then. Have yourself a fabulous and outstanding night. God bless you.